0: Hello, this is Gerd Leonhard, and welcome to my podcast. Greetings, everyone. I'm here with John Isles, who is my compatriot and fellow futurist in beautiful Waiheke, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, I and John have, John and me, have worked together in the past quite a few times, and uh, I've been down to Waiheke quite a few times as well. And we have now come up with a new concept on the future work, how to help people to, um, to discover the future and actually create and build the future. And there's two components to this. One is, uh, which John will talk about, is the concept of playing and experimenting with the future. Uh, playing in the sense of trying out things. And my idea of the future mindset, which I've been talking about for five years at least, but has recently become a very big deal with my clients to speak about how we understand the future better, also resulting, of course, from the chaos of the Corona crisis. So welcome, John. And John, why don't you thank say you, a couple Gerd. of things about yourself? Yeah, so uh, thank you, Gerd, for the
1: introduction. Uh, I'm here on Waheke Island. We're actually in lockdown. So uh, I'm a prisoner in paradise at the moment. And Gerd and I have uh, shared ideas for, for many years. and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a little bit about play. I want to talk about the power of play and its role in helping us to navigate and create good and sustainable futures for people and planet. Now, when I mentioned the word play, I wonder if you thought about kids playing or frivolous activities, but I'm here to talk about the primal play force the intrinsic ability that has enabled us to survive and thrive against the odds for millennia. Consider for a moment, could play indeed be our original superpower? Fueled by curiosity and imagination, it has been key to our evolutionary success. Play is a gift that we're all born with, wherever we are on the planet. Nobody has to teach us how to play. We're just naturally curious. We want to explore, experiment, try things out. We can find evidence of the play impulse since the earliest of times. Prehistoric stone tools, cave paintings, and later the development of the wheel for transportation and the creation of pottery, to name a few. Language, song, dance, rituals, technological innovation kept us ahead of the curve of existence. And all of this required a powerful imagination. An imagination that has since gone on to become increasingly sophisticated since its early pre-language days. Our greatest visionaries and thinkers throughout history have elevated the importance of play. Plato, for instance, defined play in the leap, that innate desire for young humans and animals to jump, to leverage the ground and their bodies, to defy gravity for a moment and then land safely into an imagined future. Einstein's famous for saying that imagination is more important than knowledge and that logic will take you from A to B, but play will take you everywhere. He also said, the play is the highest form of research, and coming from someone like Einstein, I think that's praise indeed for play. There can be no doubt that when harnessed, the power of play can achieve extraordinary things. Yet interestingly, since the Industrial Revolution, play has been systematically suppressed in the workplace, in schools and society. It had no relevance to a mechanistic, production-driven, money-making world that saw humans as units of production. Messy, unmanageable, and almost impossible to measure, play was given negative connotations of laziness or stupidity. You may remember at school the teacher saying, grow up, stop being childish, stop mucking around, at your age, not your shoe size. Yet, In these times, with impossibly complex issues facing humanity, from global pandemics to climate change, from social unrest to political and economic upheaval to technological advancements, we need to embrace, better understand and start using our original superpower of play. So what's the brain doing when we're in a state of play? The neuroscience around play is a growing area of research one of the things it tells us is that when we're in a state of play we're actually experiencing and seeing the world differently it gives us access to higher order levels of thinking and different states of consciousness it also tells us that the absence of play or the opposite of play is depression and depression cripples the imagination It limits our ability to be resilient to change and to see possibility. Most of us in the modern world are in a constant state of anxiety, juggling work, family, relationships and other pressures. And when we're in that state of anxiety, our body releases adrenaline and our primal fight flight instinct kicks in. What does that do? It closes down our peripheral vision and limits our thinking. In fact, we go back to our most primitive and most reactive brain. So when we're in play, our brain waves and chemistry change and they change in positive ways. Happy hormones such as endorphins, serotonin, oxytocin, and others are released, and these make us feel safe and joyful and creative and fully in the moment. So, play provides a fresh lens through which to see the world. It also has the bonus of supporting mental and physical well being. Play allows for breakthroughs, surprises and the miraculous. It makes connections, explores the unknown unknown, and from that reveals the new new. Darwin understood that for a species to survive, it needed to be aware of the changes taking place in its environment and to respond to those to create and adapt to the new situation. Every day, we have about 70,000 thoughts, of which 90% odd are exactly the same as yesterday and the day before. Our neurology uh, supports us in some ways, but has also made us prisoner to routines and fixed thinking. Our world today is changing so fast that we cannot be stuck in the past the lessons of the past are really no longer serving us so well. So we have to create new possibilities and new worlds. I'd like to make a distinction between pure and applied play. What do I mean by that? Well, in pure play, we're just reveling in the joy of it. We have no other purpose than being in the moment, being open and being present. Time and space disappears on us, and we kind of go into almost a quantum realm. On the other hand, when we are in applied play, we are intellectually aware. We are looking at what we are doing, and we may have an outcome in mind that we are striving towards, and we are synthesizing reflection, action and reflection to achieve that outcome. Play, Applied and Pure have led to some of the world's greatest breakthrough and transformational innovations. Cement, the X-ray, penicillin, to name a few. More recently, there's three guys who have put their toy rockets into space and attribute their greatest breakthroughs to the play impulse. These are Jeff Bezos, Sir Richard Branson and Elon Musk. So Branson said that all of us really are entrepreneurs and that entrepreneurship is just a fancy adult word for play. So you may be thinking, well, this is all very interesting what John's talking about. But hey, I'm already working 150 percent. I don't have time to add something more to my plate. Well, you know, the good news is that just as the heart beats and the blood circulates, so play is within you. That play impulse is just waiting for you to harness it. Now, it may have been left alone for a while and have become a little bit flabby like a muscle, but just as a muscle, it can be strengthened through exercise and activities and guidance. What does it take? as much a change in mindset and behavior as anything else. Some simple steps, for instance, giving yourself permission to play and be open to surprise and delight and possibility, to suspend reality for a moment, to be prepared to sit in the unknown unknown, to quieten that inner critic. You know, the one that sits on your shoulder going, don't do that. What will people think? Oh, you'll look stupid. Oh, don't do that. No, oh, you'll look bad. You know the one? Well, that little critic. So over the period of this uh, talk, we've explored play in, in its many aspects. And, you know, we have found that it is this primal force that's been with us since time immemorial that we can harness. And right now more than any other time with the changes that are taking place, we need to use as many of the tools that are available to us as we can. Play, I believe, as part of the future mindset, enables us to create good and sustainable futures for people and planet. But just like other aspects of the future mindset, it requires attention, practice and commitment to master. So there you have it. Gerd, uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening and I look forward to your comments.
0: Yeah, great. I, you know. Let, let me ask a question about play first. I, I think the, the concept is really such a perfect fit for this age, right? Because as I like to say, we're going to change more in the next 10 years than the previous 100 years. And in order to investigate what's happening and to experiment and to find things, you know the wandering. This is this is why I think Musk and Branson and and Bezos are so successful, in in some ways overly successful, you could say, uh, is because they they wander, right? And they 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 try stuff. And of course they have they have the fuel, you know, the the money and the and the energy to try things. The question I have is, you know, for for real life businesses, you know, whether you're in the car industry or tourism or whatever. How do you use a playful approach when reality is so stark in the sense of, you know, we're all stuck in our logic and efficiency and optimization? And, you know, how do you unlock that play and how do you get back to those feelings? You know, when you were a kid, you were just playing on the beach, building something and it was amazing, right? I remember last time I was in in New Zealand, we went out to this uh, place with the hot springs on the beach. Uh, i forgot what it's called but um it's it's where you go and then the beach has comes in but it also has yeah. hot springs on hot, the, hot, hot right? water beach yeah hot water beach and and we were there and it was amazing there were like 150 people later on it grew to 400 people and we literally played there for eight hours yeah building huge pools and we ended up with one pool for the french and the swiss and the germans and that was a really hot one it was like and we discovered the power of playing and it was uh you know, was a happy moment. Uh, how do we get companies to adopt this procedure and to unlock that potential in their people?
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the, the good news is that we all have this potential. We're all born with it. And uh, across the globe, um, I've been um, starting to do improv. And improv theater is enabling me to get into that an um, old friend of play, very rapidly. So a recent uh, activity really was to just, uh, you know, hand mime with somebody else and move the hands around together or to create uh, a circle and people would put different ideas into the circle. Now, it does require suspending belief. It does require becoming present. And I think that's the key is activities to bring you present and um, there are um, exercises improv exercises that within you know a few seconds can bring everybody present and then in that present moment where we're not thinking about the past and we're not concerned about the future we're in the moment and we're in that kind of quantum creative space so there are some very simple exercises that where we can kind of touch in and find our play state
0: really quickly it's quite surprising yeah i wonder how how much of that we can do through virtual events like we're doing now you know how much of that can be achieved uh, because you know suspending belief and basically uh, the, the readiness to do that you know that that's kind of a mindset you know right so it's so, kind of so like can, I, can i
1: can i you know. can i ask you uh, mm-hmm. to um, put your hands like this for a moment let's just try something okay and uh, and now to hold something in those hands so to hold something, uh, to hold something yes maybe maybe a ball an um, an imaginary Actually, ball. ball and no an, imaginary, oh, an
0: imaginary, imaginary ball imaginary okay
1: yeah 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 so um and now can you can you squeeze it so that it becomes a square yep mm, and maybe it yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And, okay. uh, can you give it uh, a color? Okay. And right. can you give it a weight? Is it light or is it heavy? Mm-hmm. And how about the texture of it? Is yeah. that, uh, you know, rough or is it smooth? All right. So tell me a little bit about the shape that you've got in your hand at the moment.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's it's kind of small, pretty heavy, red, you know, with like a fur on top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just put it down, if
1: you could. <laughs> okay. Just just put it down. That's it. Great. So, you know, just through that simple exercise, we used imagination, and you created something from nothing. Um, so it's I think that online is possible to do this, and especially when we start to introduce, you know, virtual worlds or um distributed spaces and perhaps we can bring in actors to act out scenarios, um artists to visualize uh ideas that are coming up.
0: Um all of this can be done online. Yeah I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of experimentation with formats like the new zoom rooms that they have and the Zoom circles and a bunch of other stuff that we can use to make it less sort of upfront, you know and more about people. So I'm going to talk about the future mindset and then we will come back for the for the conversation about the future mindset and also wrapping up you know because John and me are going to offer this as a program to to clients so if you're out there you know we're available for the play plus future mindset which is really kind of go in the same direction so let me get started I, can i can
1: i before you get started uh yeah. yeah just to say and we will play it as you said you know the beauty of play is that it doesn't really have a defined outcome and that's something that you know we need to get our heads around but we do know that the ways of the present aren't really working for us and so taking this step into the unknown to surface the new new um is so important um over to you
0: yeah i think i think the play thing is really a big uh it's a big reminder of for me as well, because, you know, I used to be a musician or I still, uh, still am a musician, but basically improvising and playing was what I did for 20 years. Um, and that's what you do in music, uh, well, at least in modern music and jazz music. Yeah, it's mostly about playing. So uh, I'm going to talk about the future mindset, and it's basically something I've developed over the years, is that a lot of clients are asking me, how do we get people to understand the future? And basically the future. Understand the future is not a logical exercise, it's it's something that we can imagine. Like Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. And so that future mindset is going to be crucial in asking a different question than this. I get this question all the time. What will the future bring? There is no such thing. The future isn't fixed. The future isn't falling down on us. The future isn't made in Silicon Valley or Beijing, right? This is the important question. What kind of future do we want? What do we want our future to be? And of course, the most important question, what kind of future do we want our kids and grandkids to have? What kind of ancestors are we? And that is the key question when we talk about the future mindset, right, to understand exactly how that will shape our future. And so there's really four pieces to this mindset. One is, of course, logic, science, technology. And then it's about the Earth and the planet and nature. And then it's really about our humanity and lastly, of course, business and commerce yeah? in that order. Right? <laughs> so it's not uh, business and commerce first. Right? But this is something to imagine. You know, how could this work and where could we go? Henry Willow once said, one's destination is never a place, but a new way of seeing things. So the lens that we see things and, and John talked about the playing before. We need to play and to experiment with the concept of seeing things differently. And you know what I mean sometimes when you go to a concert or you go to watch a movie or you have an amazing dinner with friends or you, uh, you're nature, you're starting to see things differently. And there's no real explanation why that is, but all of a sudden you have a penny drop moment, right? So seeing things differently, that is the future mindset to understand how we get there and what kind of things we can do. Great quote from Alvon Toffler The illiterate of the next century are not those who cannot read or write, current century but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. This is, of course, a crucial realization when we think about the mindset, unlearning and relearning. The thing is, of course, that the more successful you are with the things you've done in the past, the more you just want to repeat. And that goes for me and probably for John as well. You know, we as futurists do things in a certain way and then we just repeat them. But we also have to unlearn and relearn, and the COVID crisis has shown us how important that is. Here's a really important slide uh, I used quite a bit recently. It's from Quartz and basically it's the frequency of extreme events that used to be once in a decade. And and you can clearly see what's happening here is that the uh, heat waves and and rainstorms and drought, you know, with the worst possible model. Yeah, we're up for some very serious challenges. And that can be seen right this very year. All right? So it's, it's a really, really important thing to realize. Uh, and to get our mind around the future mindset to understand what is coming and how we get ready. And of course, also the reality is that technology is now so mind-bogglingly powerful, as we can see here, uh, the dancing robots from Boston Dynamics. Just 10 years ago, a robot like this would have smashed the entire hall to pieces and broken himself in five minutes. Uh, A robot 10 years ago couldn't even open a door, and and now they're dancing together. So what we're seeing here is really quite an interesting angle on the exponential change uh, uh, concept 30 steps on the linear stage will get you uh, in the living room or out the door here with me 30 exponential steps is 26 times around the world we're heading into an exponential future and if you don't have a future mindset you don't look ahead enough then you know leaping from 48 to 16 to 32 is going to be a lot of trouble for you because it's happening much faster as a general rule the future is happening faster than we would ever thought uh, had thought and would, it's basically a leaping from one to the next in a very quick succession. Very important to realize this. So here uh, again, just to, to show the point, linear and exponential thinking. Exponential thinking is future mindset thinking. Right? It's having a long-term view. So interesting that the yellow line here is kind of the same than the red line for the first episodes. So one, two, three, four, five is almost the same than one, two, four, eight. But after eight, we're talking about the leaping effect. So then it really looks like this, right? The long-term view is exponential. And we have to develop that understanding that in 10 years, our world is going to be much more different than uh, in the last 100 years because of what technology is possible. So we have to create that long-term view. For example, with 5G, as we're connecting everything to everything, not just people, but devices, and processes, and animals, and what have you, that could be a godsend or it could be a nightmare, depending on how you look at it. But clearly, you know, we're entering into a future where it's going to be about data, everything. It's going to be about cloud, everything. And it's going to be about smart, everything, about intelligent assistance and all these things. And that is going to make a huge difference in terms of how quickly we can leap. And the bottom line on this here is really that we need to understand where this is going, because some of the old things that we, are, we used to be familiar with, like analog television, uh, is going dead. Business as usual is dying, dead or dying. We can see that now because of COVID. We can see it coming up in climate change. We can see it with intelligent machines and work and employment. A lot of these things are switching and this is where it's going. It's basically a wall of new things. Right? I mean, if you look at the media business, this is what we do now with music and films. Right? We're switching to a much larger variety, more fragmentation. We are not going back to normal. And if you think that after the COVID crisis we're going to return to normal and just do things again like we did you know, two years ago, no, we're not. We are going to go back to restaurants, maybe flying, tourism and so on, yes, in some way, but different. And this is where the future mindset comes in, is to understand how that works and how it hangs together, because a deeply transformational decade is ahead. A deeply transformational in the sense of the Renaissance, but all in 10 years. So not 300 years. And, and now we have to play with the concepts and we have to develop a mindset. And this is still the best illustration. I've been using this for 10 years. Yeah? Uh, the ears. Right? Listening to the future, paying attention, observing, and playing with what you see. And, and this is the important part. Once we decide that we want this, then we have to put time into it to make it happen. Uh, because the unthinkable is becoming the new normal. Like carbon taxes for flying, carbon tax for eating meat, carbon tax for having a car, no matter what kind of car you have. We're talking about the unthinkable in so many ways, been act on, of course, by the whole COVID scenario, as you can see in this slide here, we're going to start eating meat from the lab, cultured meat, plant-based meat. The future is vegetarian. Imagine if you can foresee that. I mean, I mean I'm not a vegetarian, but I have tasted this meat from the from the lab. It was actually pretty good. Uh, you know, for a burger or so, but we'll see where that is going. But basically, unthinkable is a new normal. And if we have to change our thinking, then this is what it comes down to. We are reconstructing the world, basically, now. Not just because of COVID, but because of technology and because of uh, geopolitics. New narratives, new priorities and new rules. And you can see that happening around the world. If we have a future mindset, we can start to comprehend what that means as we're likely to have, in my view, a kind of strange golden age coming up. Golden age in the sense of everything is possible. Golden age not in the sense of everything is fine, but huge growth, for example, of decarbonisation. The World Economic Forum says we're going to have 390 million new jobs coming from, from green futures when we shift the money there. But it's also going to be volatile, confusion, considerable chaos, you know, here are some examples. America is pivoting like crazy. Uh, everything that was fine two years ago is different now. Uh, oil companies are being forced to look at green energy. Uh, we're looking at, again, meat coming that is not from animals without cruelty. Global tax system is changing 50% minimum tax for corporations. Uh, and on the story goes. So we've got to take a wider view. So these two guys kind of show what's happening. Uh, One is looking straight onto what matters now and the other one is looking straight at what doesn't matter now. We have to have a mix of those two. Very important is that our attitude about the future determines our future. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Barbara Hubbard a student and, and disciple of Buckminster Fuller famous futurist, as we see our future so we act as we act so we become. And you could say going back to what John just said as we play the future so we act. Because all of a sudden, we discover different things. And this is how we are becoming. So this is why the mindset is so important to go in this direction of discovering new things, like the record industry discovered the cloud, not voluntarily, that is, of course, (laughs) and the car industry and and so on. So as we're heading into this future, different skills are needed. Uh, I call this the, the pyramid of work and skills, kind of like a Maslow pyramid. Um, And it's quite clear that we're going to move up from this obsession on intellectual knowledge and logic and data and information because machines can have data and information. They can they can have knowledge, right? Machines, machine learning, deep learning. Machines have knowledge. They have data. And so now we're going to move up to the higher part of that pyramid. This is what's happening in education. Uh, The future mindset is going to be a, a topic it's going to be a class. You know, I bet your money. We're going to have a class on the future mindset in every college and university in the next couple of years. So wisdom, understanding, quiet knowledge, deeper knowledge, and of course, purpose. The ultimate goal, of course, for us is to generate more wisdom and purpose. That's how we become more powerful as humans and and more hopefully make better decisions, like in ethics. You know, the idea about what technology is doing. So here. Very important as we move up this pyramid and what's happening here, that we take a holistic view. And that is, again, the future mindset is not about learning how to code or or run a spreadsheet or, you know, write a JavaScript or use Zoom or, or whatever TV studio you want to set up at home. It's about personality and character, mindset, skills, values, ethics. That's where the mindset comes in. And if you decide to pursue that mindset, it's kind of like you decide to pursue a healthy body and to work out and to uh, to eat the right food. And and this is a really important decision. Do you want a future mindset and why is it important? So one hour of future learning every single day, this is from Michael D. Simmons, showing the compound learning effect. And of course, this is like daily things for us as futurists, basically 45 minutes to an hour a day spent in the future over time, compounds into a future mindset. So you've seen it before, you thought about it before, and before you know it, you're on that exponential curve of understanding. And that is going to be, if you're a politician, public official, without the future mindset, you'll be dead in the water because the future is quicker than you would have ever thought. give you an example how that works. Uh, as we're, we're in that reality where everything is flowing across each other and being quite chaotic, it takes four things, right? Logic and facts. We need that. But that's only the beginning. And the other one is observing and understanding, like actually listening. It's like when you have kids, you know, you listen to them, it's different than logically understanding that they need new shoes or something. <laughs> you know, it's a completely different of cup of tea. And the other one, of course, intuition, hunches. Jeff Bezos always says, you know, he looks for data to prove things, but in the end he decides things based on intuition, hunches, imagination. And finally, of course, imagination and playing. Those four things will come together, and that is a science and an art. Right? It's both very important to keep that in mind what's happening here so i'm going to wrap it up here just but a couple of kind of final shots on observing understanding we have already talked about this and all of this so bottom line here is as we're going out of the COVID crunch hopefully in the next i don't know 50 years just kidding in the next year or two i hope it's a crisis and it's an opportunity it's an opportunity for us to find back to what really matters to be catalyzed into making the future important and to start playing again and to work on the future. So thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, let's talk about it, John. What do you think? Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I do. And, you know, I think you say the good future, we have to be good. And when I think about play, play is agnostic. And in some ways, it's amoral. Um, And there's good play, and there's gray play, and there's dark play. And play, you know, I think uh, Donald Trump, for instance, really understands play and the ability to, to manipulate um, things, but maybe that's the of the darker shade. So I think that a lot of what we do into the future is around having freedom with responsibility and kind of putting, perhaps at the highest level, asking ourselves, you know, what would love do here? What would kindness do here? Uh, If we're creating something, um, we might question, is this good for the planet? Is this good for people? And if the answer is no, then why are we creating this? Why are we doing this? Um, We can create anything. I mean, I think people were taken aback a little bit with 9-11 and the fact that pilots might only want to learn how to take off and not land. That was not inside the headspace it wasn't the lens that people looked at things through and in some ways this is the problem with data i think it's it's very useful and it does inform but it doesn't take those conceptual leaps um and i agree with you the future um isn't going back to normal um we're never gonna i'm never gonna have the summers that i had as a kid and so as part of our work is around reducing the impacts on climate, so is the work around um, creating new futures where adaptation to new environments is absolutely, you know, uh, required. And it doesn't look like it looks right now.
0: Yeah, I think you know, the, 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 the invigorating thing about the playing concept and also the future mindset is that we can uh, um, suspend reality for just a little bit and not always come up with saying, yes, but, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many events I've had, you know, with coaching CEOs or, or, or speaking to board members of big companies. And, and basically, whatever you say is going to be something that's yes, but. Right? Uh, and, and, that, and that mindset kind of locks everything down. So we can't do this because of that, and we don't really have any room to move. It's kind of like, you know, when, when, you, when you go to couple therapy, right? And, and you're, you're trying to unlock what the problem is. Every time you turn around, you're saying, but, but yes, you, but you always do this, right? Uh, and, and before you know it, it's a, it's a dead end, yeah? So if we want to unlock something, then we have to be able to say, uh, let's suspend everything that we've said for a little while and ask, and ask questions. Um, I think Kevin yeah. Kelly riff, riffing off um, uh, Dali said, humans are for question for questions. Machines are for answers. Uh, We are are there to ask questions. Peter Block uh, wrote a a great book,
1: the title of which the answer to how is yes. Um, (laughs) And I'm also reminded of the uh, Prophet Rumi, uh, who I think wrote uh, in in Arabic uh, from an Islamic perspective. But there's a poem where he talks about um, inviting another to go to a place beyond right or wrong and um you know our world at the moment is so polarized it's either you're with me or against me it's either this or it's that and that's not really how how the world is uh in fact the world is is nothing like we think and we you know our understanding of it is 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 very small um and so yeah play the future mindset gives us access into that third space, doesn't it? That third space that's not one plus one. It's one plus one doesn't equal two. It's one plus one might be five or 10 or a loaf of bread or whatever it might be. But making that leap and being open to it, you know, it's messy, it's ugly. And I think with play, part of the reason it's been suppressed is, you know, you can't measure it. So you can't measure uh, manage it, but Great, so, you, can't, you can't measure love. And yet we know what the world is like in the absence of love. And we know what the world is like in the presence of love. So the fact we can't measure love doesn't mean we should ignore it or it's of no value. And I think this is the same with play and, and, and other aspects of this future mindset.
0: Uh, as I like to say, algorithms know the value of everything, but the feeling of nothing. And this is the problem with our, with, our, with our machine society. You know, machines know everything about everything, but nothing that really matters because that's not data. <laughs> you know? So this is something we have to keep in mind when we think about the future and, and developing the future mindset is that machines will do all kinds of things, but they will never understand the things that are not fed by data, information, and logic uh, in the sense that we instantly understand that, for example, falling in love is an instant thing you know and you can't tell why or why not you know it's like machines don't do that so anyway john and me are going to offer these workshops on the future foresight play uh online and hopefully in person one of these days ever again if we can get on the plane ever again but in the meantime so let's talk about where you can find out more information john more information about your work
1: yeah The work uh, that I'm involved in, we've uh, located it here in New Zealand. Um, It's called Play Labs, New Zealand. Uh, You can find it at www.playlabs.nz. And uh, it's a work in progress. We're creating a hub space um, with a variety of activities. Gerd, as you're talking about, we're gonna be running innovation workshops uh, online using a variety of different modalities, Uh, multimedia and um, engagement that hasn't been possible before Uh, a little bit like perhaps the uh, you know the invention of the uh, the movies and then Walt Disney came along and created animation Uh, our intention is to do something similar here around innovation in a distributed space bringing uh, great minds together to look at themes issues, explore them, and in a very open,
0: transformative uh, manner. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, that's John. I think John uh, John is, of course, also a member of the Futures Agency, one of our speakers, thefuturesagency.com. My work is at Future G R D, GERD, like gastrointestinal reflux disease, same thing, Futurevisgirt.com. You can find out more there. And on my YouTube channel, which is really busy these days, Gertube.com, GRDTube.com. And of course, don't forget my latest film, um, um, The Good Future, The Good Future Film.com. Uh, that's been out for about two weeks already, has 150k views or so. And of course, my last book, Technology versus Humanity, which is available in 12 languages now as an audiobook, an ebook, and so on, Tech versus Human, Tech vs Thanks very much for tuning in, and please uh, sign our mailing list. Uh, it's going to be at gerd.digital, and you'll be informed about more updates on uh, on what we're doing here. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks, John, for joining. all the Yeah, way and in. thanks so for having me, in. Gerd, and for letting me share um, today with you. It's been a Great. pleasure. See you down the road. Live long and prosper. This is Gerd Leonhard Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at gerdtube.com.